This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. If I, if you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruits should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to St. John's. Just want to add my welcome to you on this Remembrance Sunday. Uh, it's so good to see so many of you here as we come together to give thanks for the lives of those uh, who've given their, themselves for us and for our freedoms. I'm going to ask you a few questions, though, during uh, our talk today, so do listen in. It'd be great to, uh, if you would engage in this with me. First, uh, this will uh, sort out the sharp-eyed among you. Can anyone tell me where that grave is? Let's put your hand up. Do you know where it is? It is in front of the church. That's really good. Now, I'll tell you what, there's something you can all do without uh, having to open your mouths. Can you point in which direction you think it is? Yes, yes, most of you are right. It's about there, actually, certainly on that side uh, of the church. Now, it's quite hard to see the writing, but can you see on there um, who is the first name and how they died? Can anyone see that? They've got sharp eyes. Uh, yes. Robert John Roost, that's it. And how did he die? Falabar. That's right. Very good. He was, so he was drowned on the SS Falabar. And how did that ship come to sink? Yes? It was torpedoed by a German submarine. So at that, you can see the date there, March 1915. So that was during World War I. And it's one of a number of graves that we have in our churchyard that remind us of those times when our nation has been at war. And that just sets a little bit of the context for what I want to share with you today. Some of you are now, as we speak, serving in uniform. Others of you have done uh, in the past, and you will have noticed, of course, that our associate vicar is one of those. But I guess most of us, probably all of us, uh, know people in our families uh, who served uh, in the military or in other uniformed areas of service in our nation. And I want to tell you the story today of one of my forebears. And maybe like some of us, uh, we only recently discovered, a couple of years ago, when my eldest daughter did some family research, uh, the story that had been lost even within our own family. Well, this is my great-uncle Reg, or Flight Sub-Lieutenant Charles Reginald Morris of the Royal Naval Air Service. Anyone know when the Royal Naval Air Service existed? Yes. No, it wasn't World War II. What would it be if it's not World War II? World War I, that's right, it was. It existed between 1914 and 1918, and then it merged with the Army equivalent to become the Royal Air Force. 
uh, at the end of the First World War. Uh, so my great-uncle, he was the uh, older brother of my Australian grandfather, at the age of 21, uh, at the declaration of the First World War, uh, he got on a ship from Melbourne and uh, came over to enlist in uh, the Infant Royal Naval Air Service. And uh, he uh, went on to serve in that war. Uh, he flew one of these. Uh, this is one of the first flying boats. So this is only within the first few years of uh, being able to, uh, to learn how to fly. Uh, we had the echo of that, didn't we, from that Second World War pilot uh, high flight that John read for us at the beginning of our service. He, too, danced the skies. Uh, that uh, was uh, an aeroplane. You see it there. It's about to take off. Uh, that's uh, the one with the British colours. Uh, you can't possibly read the number on there, but it's nearly the one that he flew. That's 8661, and uh, Great Uncle Reg flew 8663. Uh, and we know this because these are all uh, in the public records uh, that we've discovered about him. And then one day he was on patrol in May 1917, and he saw a German submarine of this class, a German UC2 submarine. I discovered uh, just a shocking fact. That one class of submarine sunk over 1,800 Allied ships during World War I. We thought at the beginning of the SS Falabar and the one man who's buried in our churchyard who died on a ship sunk by an enemy submarine. Imagine what it must have been like to be on one of those 1,800 ships to be sunk by submarines just in those few years of the First World War. Absolutely terrifying. And great-uncle Reg, though, the reason he's in the history books is because he's a pioneer of aerial warfare. On the 20th of May, great-uncle Reg became the first man to sink a submarine from the air in the history of warfare. Uh, he and his, uh, the other three men of his crew, uh, they spotted the German submarine, they dropped their bombs, and the uh, UC-36 sunk to the bottom. That submarine had already sunk 24 ships. Her crew of 26 men were killed as he dropped his bomb. And for that, Great Uncle Reg was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross and £125 in the prize court after the war had concluded. Now let me ask you another question. What should I think, as his great nephew of my great uncle Reg, how do you think I should feel about him having discovered these facts about him? Yeah. I am proud. I am proud of him because he was a man who volunteered to do something incredibly dangerous. Do you think there might be something else I feel alongside that pride? Yes, there's a hand coming up down there. I don't know whether that's a... Just because... No, no, that's not something. You just, is that, please, can I leave the building? No, that's okay. That wasn't an answer. You see, I have to confess, I have some mixed feelings about Great Uncle Reg. I am really proud of him. I don't know whether I would have been as brave as he was to do what he did. At the same time, his actions took the lives of the 26 crew in that German submarine. And those men were acting under orders, serving the interests of their country as well. And it reminds us, actually, that remembrance is complex. Now, why do we have Remembrance Sunday? I'd like to give me a reason for that. Why are we here today? Why do we have Remembrance yeah. 
to remember the people who died in the war. That's right, and that's in one sense really obvious, but it's also really important. See, remembrance doesn't celebrate taking life. Remembrance honors those who've given their lives. Remembrance isn't even really about celebrating victory. We're very thankful for the victory. We're very thankful for the freedoms we enjoy. But the focus of remembrance is on those who paid the ultimate price and who gave their lives. That's why on our war memorial outside here in the churchyard in Hartford, it says in grateful remembrance of the men of this parish who gave their lives. They could have said in grateful remembrance of the men who won the victory. But actually, although that's important and we're thankful for it, the focus is on those who gave their lives in the Great War and then in the Second War, of course, as well. Now, can anyone tell me what the words are on the War Memorial immediately below that uh, on the uh, War Memorial in our churchyard? Who knows what's written below? Uh, It was a clue already in the service. Or, not quite sure. Anyone want to tell me what it is? We've heard a modern version of it already. Well, I'll tell you, it's these words of Jesus. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, Jesus said that uh, to his friends just a few hours before he gave his own life on the cross. And just before that, he said, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So how has Jesus loved us? Jesus says, Love each other as I have loved you. How has Jesus loved us? Yeah. He gave his life for us. That's why it's so significant that his words are on that memorial, because Jesus himself gave his life for his friends. It's striking, isn't it, that our highest honors are all crosses. My great-uncle Reg was awarded the Distinguished Flying cross. Even that award points back to the one whose great love defined what loving self-sacrifice looks like. Jesus says, I have loved you. And John, who wrote down Jesus' words on that night later, uh, said this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He laid down his life for us so that we might enjoy the greatest freedom of all, the freedom to call God our Father, the freedom to know all our sins, all our regrets and failures, forgiven and washed clean, so that we might have the freedom to have a fresh start with God. This is what love is. That's why Jesus' words are on our war memorial here, as they are on countless others throughout this country so that we might become his friends. Jesus said these words, as I say, on the night before he died, the cross was looming ahead of him. And he just said to his friends, trust me and keep trusting me, even when things get tough. Abide in me, he said, and I will abide in you. And in the story of John's gospel, which tells us of who Jesus is, if you've not read it, it'd be a great thing to do. 
Right at the beginning of the story, as Jesus begins his ministry, John the Baptist says, look, look at Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the one who came to deal with that poison in the human heart that leads us to be always at war somewhere. There's always conflict going on in our world. And we know, if we're honest, that that arises from the antagonism to each other and to God that's there in our own hearts. Jesus says, I've loved you. I've given myself for you that you might have peace with God. And so so now, love each other as I have loved you. Those are his words to us today as we come to him and trust in him. In other words, not just the example of those who've given their lives in our wars, but the greatest example of Jesus himself, to put others' needs ahead of our own, to sacrifice our own self-interest for the good of others, and above all things, to forgive others as the Lord has forgiven us. This is how we shall know that great love in our own lives, in our own day, and in our own world. Let me lead us in a short prayer, and then we shall sing again. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have loved us, that you went to the cross to save us and to bring us peace with your Father. Please help us to receive that peace and to live it out in lives of self-sacrifice and that are full of mercy, for we ask it in your name. Amen.